Welcome to The Invested Investor. More and more entrepreneurs and investors are working with coaches to improve their performance as leaders, to drive growth in their business. My guest today, Katie Tunzer, coaches leaders on both sides of the deal, VCs and angels, as well as founders and CEOs. She has coached Peter and me and an array of different people all over the world. Everyone talks about the value of coaching and what they achieve from it in their businesses. But today I'm talking to Katie about how she does it and what early stage CEOs need to achieve to be successful, especially once they reach scale up phase. So Katie, let's hear a little bit about your background and then how did you get into coaching? Thanks for having me on The Invested Investor, Alan. I'm a coach and I call myself a coach these days. It's probably only been about the last five or six years that I have been focused professionally on coaching. But over at least two decades, I've been a coach. I just didn't realise it for a while. My background right back from 20 odd years ago when I joined the army has been very strongly influenced by an interest in leadership. So I went to Sandhurst, I went to McKinsey and did strategy consulting training and learned a lot about leadership there, been at the Met and over the years and as you know from the previous podcast that we did have um, various forays into entrepreneurship, some elegant failures, some successes, <laughs> not the subject of today. But the theme through all of it has been leadership. I'm obsessed with understanding what it takes to be a great leader, both in a practical sense, doing it myself, and more and more now in coaching others and helping them to make the best of their own brilliance, realising everyone is different. There is definitely not only one way of doing it. And what I'm working on these days is coaching people to be successful in the areas that matter to them and their businesses. Okay, so startups specifically, what does coaching help CEOs to achieve? I know that you led a um, research project this year called Born or Made yes. in collaboration with the Judge Business School and also the Cambridge Angels. Yes. The Born or Made research project that we ran this year rose because a number of us realised that our experience of coaching, no matter how extensive and over many years it is, is systematically biased in our understanding of how it works. So we work with people who've chosen to work with a coach by definition. So this research set out to understand what it takes to be a successful leader of a scale-up, specifically what of those traits, behaviours, characteristics, attitudes, beliefs can be learnt. So that comes in the born or made side of it. And of those, which ones can coaching, mentoring, training, etc. have the greatest impact on. And we found in that research that there's six areas that are the most important areas correlating with success. And by that we mean IPO, getting bought, becoming profitable enough such that the equity investors are bought out. That's generally what we're talking about within 10 years of founding, something like that. And those six areas are very wide ranging and a hugely positive outcome from the research is that most of them can be highly affected by coaching. The first area is selling and specifically selling to three audiences, to the customers, obviously, to the investors, obviously, and most importantly, but sometimes overlooked, to the team. And that's both the formal employed team and the wider team. So that was the first one. The second one was listen to experts, brackets, but don't believe everything they say, <laughs> which is uh, very important. There's, there's detail behind all of these. 
which we'll be able to find online at some point soon. Yes, we can put a link in the show notes. Fantastic. So what's the third one then? The third is called Deciding Fast and Slow. So the importance of not being the hold up where you are procrastinating over small decisions and getting in the way of other people making progress, but also not flitting around and making quick, big strategic decisions or even in extreme cases, pivots to the business without proper care and consideration. The fourth one, building a team and the huge importance of being able to delegate, empower, whatever word you want to use, a team that is motivated and aligned with the vision and the appropriate operational detail to be able to know what they're supposed to do. In fact, there's a quote from Peter in the research about the importance of building a team and everything else will fall into place. That's how strongly he believes that. The fifth one is around getting things done and getting the right things done. So the nuance on this is that most CEOs, founder CEOs, know what the right things are to do, but for whatever reason, they get distracted. And we can talk about that a bit in coaching in a moment. And then the last one is all about being resilient, about maintaining consistently the right amount of passion, renewing yourself, avoiding burnout and complete breakdown. And there are some really bad signs to look out for where CEOs are not sleeping properly, they're not on their A-game because they're not looking after themselves properly and that spells disaster for the business. So you've identified these six success factors for CEOs. Yes. Let's just talk about how coaching works. So for the basics, for me and some other people that are listening, what are the mechanisms and secrets? Well, the first thing is to get the match right with the client. So I know personally that I work best with earnest, ambitious overachievers. Certainly wouldn't call them rounded leaders and neither would they. They have areas of absolute brilliance and areas where they really need to work and they know it. So, for example, I know that a client coming to work with me with that kind of profile and in a fast-paced environment, it's going to work. So I'd say the first thing is to get the match right. There's something else that's really important about the setup, and that is the way that the client found you. Almost all of our referrals at Horizon 37 are from word-of-mouth referrals. So I have sometimes a referral where someone will come and they'll say, I know that you achieved X with this person that referred you. And I want to achieve something like that as well. That is a dream referral and a dream setup because their expectations are all about them, what they can achieve, and it's all very positive. The opposite end of the scale is when you get a referral which says, so-and-so person Y, who may be on my board or whatever, said I need to be fixed. There's something wrong with me and that you are the person to fix. And being positioned like that at the beginning as some sort of fixing device or worse, like a weapon to get them into shape. It's a really hard one to come back from. So that's all part of the setup that's really important as well. So if anyone's making referrals for a CEO, if you're an investor and you're trying to work with your CEO to find a coach, the positioning of that is really, really important for success. So then how do you set up the coaching relationship? The first thing to cover off is always the confidentiality and the boundaries. And that's a critical thing for coaching to work is to set the space and to commit to what you're going to do as a coach and be very clear about what you'd expect from the client to make the relationship work. What I quite often say to set that expectation is that I'm standing for my client's brilliance. It's all about them. And for me, when I'm in coaching, I'm in flow and I am absolutely there for them. I'm standing for their brilliance. And even if I do know a lot about their surrounding context, or I do know the kind of people that they're talking about in coaching, that's not relevant to me. It's all about what I'm listening for from them as the client. And I will explain that at the beginning. 
Some people get quite surprised or even emotional at that point when they realise, wow, I'm in an environment here where it's all about me and I'm used to being out there and everyone wants a piece of me and it's all about everyone else. And actually setting that up at the beginning of coaching can be very powerful. What happens once you've started to build that relationship? So once we've got to a point where we've connected and we've set expectations, boundaries, permissions, we're ready to go. The very first thing we'll start is to understand objectives. What is the client there to achieve? And sometimes they will be different as we go through the coaching to what their incoming priorities are. And that's totally fine. So at the beginning, we will talk about their goals, their business goals, their personal goals. What do they want to achieve at the end of our coaching engagement? And usually I would begin with a finite coaching engagement with specific outcomes. And I'll challenge them and I'll build on what they're saying. I'll ask them why they want to achieve that. I'll ask them if there are any underlying priorities and achievements they want to get, anything else that they would value. And we get that very clear at the beginning before anything else. Usually... Horizon 37 coaches, myself included, would then lay out an agenda for the next few sessions. And we would talk about areas of breakthrough that the client would like to have in their mindsets, for example, new skills and techniques that they'd like to practice and then make sense of, analyse, make sense of in coaching. And we'll lay out an agenda. But I was saying earlier, often that changes. So we'll often come to session two and rejig everything because good clients, they've gone out and done tons of stuff out in the world based on their coaching session, taken their actions, put their commitments into action and they come back to coaching going, I want to make sense of all that. What's next? And so that's, and that's perfect. That's how we want to. That's the ideal situation. And what about the opposite of that when it all goes off piste? There's two types of off-piste. There's good off-piste, which is when we really start to get to the nub of the real issues, limiting beliefs, mindsets that are causing them to have persistent problems in certain situations. They cannot relate with certain type of people, that kind of thing. Those kind of things, when we get to that, we go with it. And I'm constantly aware of what the client wants to achieve overall. And sometimes going down those routes can be incredibly powerful. There's other kinds of off-piste where you have to use your judgment as a coach on this. But if someone starts to rant a lot, sometimes you need to say, is this really serving you? Is this allowing you to achieve the breakthrough that you want? Now, sometimes they say, yes, I need to get this off my chest, then I need to make sense of it. But other times you hear these repeated stories about a problem that someone else has done something wrong. And actually, as a coach, you play back and you say, have you noticed that you are using this word in all of these stories? Or, you know, is this about this person? Are we in this coaching relationship to fix that person that you've got a problem with? Or do you want to come back to this? And often you can sort of get people back to their purpose, their priorities, and what really matters to them when you notice an off-piste like that. So it's, I mean, it comes with experience. And I think when I first started doing coaching, I was a lot more formulaic. One of the things I really hold close to my heart about how coaching has to work is you need, as a coach, an entire repertoire of different tools, techniques, frameworks that you can use and then you kind of discard them all (laughs) and you just pick and choose from the ones that you need at the time because you're free to be led by the client's agenda. That's where you really want to get into that space. Can you elaborate a little bit more on these frameworks and techniques? What sort of stuff do you use to coach? Okay, that's a great question. There's a whole range of things. So the things I like are diagnostics, things like 360s. I'm assuming most people would have 360 feedback where you get input from lots of different people anonymously and then you get some new insight about yourself. I think some psychometrics are really helpful. I particularly like Myers-Briggs, which I probably would say because I'm ex-McKinsey, but I think most of our profession 
still think Myers-Briggs is good, but there are many others that are good psychometrics. And then there are also ones you can use on Teams. There's a whole range. So I think those can be quite helpful when you put them in context and you start with asking the client what they interpreted. There are some which I'm a bit cynical about and I get people come to me and say, can I join Horizon 37 coaching team? I've done a coaching training course and I use the bloody bloody blah five-step method, right? And I say, well, use a five-step method every time. And by the way, how many times have you tried it? I think I don't mean to be sort of stick in the mud or sound really old or anything because you can be excellent at coaching and not have tons of experience but you can't be excellent if you're just following a formula every time so those are the kind of frameworks that I'm quite wary of this is like here is a set of questions that I ask in this order and I get to this result I don't think you you can get some results but nothing like the kind of transformative results you get when you bring whatever the best thing of that moment is that you can find to that client So you touched on coaches that work at Horizon 37. And I know that you said that it's notoriously difficult to describe a coach. And you've also told me before that you're not even the same coach to each client. So can you describe what kind of coach works at Horizon 37 and what is special about those coaches? Yeah, that's a really, really tricky question. Because actually one of the answers is that we are all our own individual coaches, which always sounds like... there is no single way but that's the point is we don't try to conform and do it in one particular way we had a big debate recently within our senior team about whether or not we should provide advice is advice outside the realm of coaching now technically it is so we definitely all agree that we should not be going in and giving advice on the market entry strategy that is appropriate at that particular time you know anything like that that's strategic advice and that's outside the realm of coaching When it is, for example, to try a new mindset when you're trying to relate with somebody, to think about them in a different way. And we would actually advise to our clients that they should think about the positive capabilities, motivations, traits, behaviours that that other person might have coming into the collaboration. That's a classic one. We are pretty much agreed within the Horizon 3017 that that would be appropriate advice. You would advise your client to try that new mindset. And that's one of the areas where we constantly debate what is the best way to do it. But some of the team would be very comfortable doing that. I am, for example. And I would say, here, look, this is a very well-trodden path. We work with lots of people that have had this particular sticking point. Try this. Others in the team would be much more gentle and create the space and help the client to think their way to that point themselves. And there's not one or the other is right. But the point is within our team, we've all got the broad understanding of what it takes to be a leader and the relevant experience ourselves. And we've tried it enough times that we can make a judgment each time. And that's what makes a good coach in your eyes? Not the only thing. I think there's a lot about the underlying attitude. I think I can say hand on heart that every single one of our coaches really cares about the impact that their client's going to have as a result of working with them. And When you think like that, you get outside yourself and your own ego goes out the door. And I think that's a critical part of being a coach. It's all about the client so much that you're in their world and you're standing there as a platform for their brilliance. I think that's a really important thing for being a good coach. There's one more thing as well, which I would say is really important for being a really excellent coach. So I'm distinguishing here between you can be a good coach or trainer by teaching people techniques. So you can teach somebody how to present with gravitas by putting their hands in a different way or standing in a different way speaking at a different pace or a different tone of voice there's lots of techniques that you can teach the kind of coaching that we do 
starts with mindsets. So if you had that problem, someone saying, I want to present with gravitas, you'd start by saying, well, what value are you trying to create for the audience? How are you thinking about your audience and the value that you want to bring them? And have you got a mindset of, I should be here because I'm bringing value? Or have you got a mindset of, do I look good? Am I giving a good impression? And if you start at that point in coaching conversation with mindsets, the impact is much bigger, we find, than when you have a whole load of learned techniques. And that applies in a whole load of other areas. I just use presenting as an example. Yeah. But in lots of influencing, negotiation, selling. If anyone is listening or is interested, how do you become a coach at Horizon 37? Well, we are looking for new coaches all the time. And so the first thing is to have a good look at our website and see whether you think you've got a fit. And then to reach out and email me. I'm on katie at horizon37.co.uk or contact through our website. We are very interested in diverse coaches. We like to be able to say to our clients, here is a very wide range of types of coach. We guarantee that they're going to be high impact coaches, but they are different. So even if you don't think you're standard fit, we would really like to hear from diverse coaches to join our team. Finally, have you got any advice to investors or CEOs how they can find a coach? Yes. The first thing is to recognise that you want a coach and there is potential value from having a coach. So if you've got to that point, great, that's like half the way there. I think it's important to distinguish between a coach and a mentor. So a mentor is somebody who has specific knowledge, expertise. They've done it before and they would give advice and they might open doors you know, they're they're kind of wise, right? That's a mentor. And often we find founder CEOs have lots of mentors. A coach is different. The coach is there to help you make sense of your situation, to make your own choices, and to also make sense of the whole array of advice. Great quote in the Born or Made research. Advice is a form of regurgitated nostalgia, right? Now, this is true. (laughs) A coach is there to help you choose what advice to take, what not to take, who to seek proactively to get advice from. And that, so there's a difference. So I think when you think about trying to find a coach, don't get mixed up between a mentor and a coach. A great mentor knows stuff. A great coach doesn't need to have done the same things that you've done precisely before. In fact, sometimes that can be a hindrance. I find myself doing regurgitated nostalgia <laughs> sometimes when someone's dealing with exactly the same problem that I have and I have to stop myself. So there's a really important difference there. But then go out, take advice from people that you know, and get referrals for coaches. It's such a personal thing. And ask those people, what did you achieve from working with that coach? Far more important than getting them to try and deconstruct what that coach did with them. Just ask them what they achieved. And I think that's probably the best way to get your short list of coaches. And then have a chat with each of them. See how you fit. See how you feel about the interaction. See whether they ask you lots of questions and try to understand your problem, or whether they try to tell you all about how great they are and which five-step process they're using. (laughs) Beware, beware. So um, anyway, but I'm a big advocate of coaching, of course, and we've seen that it's really growing, that more and more people are seeking coaches to improve their performance as leaders. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think you focus on investors and CEOs, and I think this is for general life as well. I think it is useful for anyone that's listening, whether you're in the startup ecosystem or not. Yeah. And it's really great to be part of a profession that is not only growing, but innovating like crazy. Have all conversations all the time. What bits of your coaching work can be codified so that a robot could do it great debate you know how much of what you're doing can be done on the phone quite a lot not all of it some bits you know and there's a constant innovation in the profession and it's really fun being part of it right now brilliant all right thanks very much katie thanks for having me on the second podcast
Thanks for listening to another Invested Investor podcast. You can subscribe to all future podcasts via our website, investedinvestor.com, or via a number of podcast platforms online. Remember, you can order our book online. And be sure to follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to get the most up-to-date, interesting, and insightful content from The Invested Investor.